much bet, no matter where you are, it pretty much says go for it. Dak keeps up the middle. Touchdown, Cowboys. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them, Cowboys? How about them, Cowboys, indeed. All right, we're back from L.A. A little bit late on the podcast front because of the Monday night game, but we're here to discuss a Cowboys win. But I'm here, Kent, running things behind the scenes on another About Them Cowboys. We've got John Mishota from The Athletic and Saad Youssef from The Athletic. And to run this thing maybe into the ground, hopefully not, it's Kevin, KT, fun, fan, who's definitely not a paid actor, Turner. What's up, KT? Hello, Kent. Good to have you back, my friend. And uh, definitely, you're right, not a plant, it turns out. Um, but also not a believer that you could be hardcore for two teams. I think you can only be hardcore for one team. You know how you can casually like another team, especially if it's in the other conference. Um, I don't know uh, about you guys. The visual of Dak screaming to the heavens after the Cowboys took the 2017 lead is going to stick with me throughout the bye week because rather than feeling good about this team, that was more of a sigh of relief type of victory, it seems. And I was the idiot who thought we would know way more about the Cowboys after the 49ers game and the Chargers game. And it turns out, I think I want to get back to you after the Rams and the Eagles game to have a really solid opinion of this team. Because I got to tell you, man, I just don't know. Where you at, John? Well, I'm glad you started with that um, because uh, to give you a little behind the scenes here, so after the game was over, you know, well, even really throughout the game, I, I always sit next to Saad and we were going back and forth talking about like storylines. What are you going to write? What am I going to write? Things like that. And it got to a point as the game was going on, it was like, well, just with the way Dak's using his legs, he's out dueling Herbert, who I think just about everybody would say is a higher ranked quarterback if you were ranking quarterbacks in the league. So I'm like, I'm focused on writing Dak. So we go down the locker room, and then Dak is the last person to go. He does a, uh, he's like a last press conference thing, and he was really good, and he talked for a while. And so I was like, yeah, this is perfect. I'm just going to write about Dak. And um, we get back up to the press box, and because I went down early, they they let us start going down with like three minutes left in the game. So I didn't get to watch the final three minutes as closely as I wanted to because you're going down like press elevators. You're trying to find a TV down by the locker room, stuff like that. So when I got back up, I'm like, let me watch like the last few minutes or whatever. And it's so funny. I had in my mind what I was going to write as my lead. And it was probably going to be something along the lines of Dak saying like, shit, yeah, this was a must win game. <laughs> but I watched the end of exactly what you're talking about. And I think I even mentioned it to side. And I stopped writing and I took a video of it and posted it. And I was like, these three reactions as ESPN left the broadcast and cut away from it, tell you all you need to know. And it was Mike McCarthy pumping his fist, like how pumped he was after the Stefan Gilmore interception. It was Micah Parsons yelling towards the fans in, in celebration. And it was that Dak holding up that towel and looking like to the heavens and saying, thank you. And I, I was like, well, I'm leading with Dak doing that because that just shows you like those three images, you know, whatever it was, 10 seconds told you exactly about how important that game was and how relieved they were to get out of there with a win. So that honestly, yes, to be four and two, but I, I really believe it was to put that 49ers game behind them. Yeah, let's uh, welcome in Mr. Saad here. Saad, um, I know it's a weird one. Uh, 
Monday night. And uh, I know the star season's already getting going for you, so you've been a busy fella. Your takes on Cowboys Chargers, what that meant, and uh, yeah, just kind of what you saw. Uh, you know, I, I heard you say, like, you know, you want to hold reservations for down the road a little bit. That's kind of where I'm at, too. Um, I think the only way that this game would have told me something is if they would have just completely no-showed. And if they, you know, whether they lost big, lost by a little bit, if they no-showed in this game, I think that would tell me a lot about this team. Um, you know, coming off of the... I think I think John, you know, when he, he was telling me this, but then, you know, he wrote this as well, like to be very clear, like this does not this does not replace what happened in San Francisco. This doesn't this wasn't the 49ers defense. This doesn't um, take away from that. And so I think you do. I, I think you do take this and, and you enjoy the victory and everything. But I don't know that I have any grand conclusions from this from this game about this team. Like, I don't feel terribly different than I did before I think you know they have they have good resiliency I feel like we kind of knew that they have the best you know uh record after a loss in the last two three years or something like that I, I, I'm not surprised that they bounce back um you know if if we if you if the playoffs started tomorrow that played the 49ers I'd still pick the 49ers to win and so um that doesn't change too much so I think it was it was a good win. I think I think it was good for them to go into the bye week on that sort of thing, and, and it's not really too much more than that to me. I will say this, though. There's also another factor, and it had nothing to do with the Cowboys, and it had to do with the games on Sunday. It had to do with the Eagles losing. It had to do yeah. with the 49ers losing, and it had to do with them losing to the teams that they lost to. Uh, not like those teams were at full strength, you know? Uh, it wasn't like Aaron Rodgers played. It wasn't like Deshaun Watson played, and they had these phenomenal games. And so to see the, those two teams who, let's be honest, after the Niners game, you were like, yeah, yeah, they've, they've, they're on a different level. You know, there's some catching up to do there. And you watch the way that they play in those two games. And for me now, it becomes, let's see how the Cowboys do against the Rams. And then let's see how they do the following week against the Eagles. And then you can kind of reset. But for me, yeah, the, the Ram, just beating the Chargers doesn't completely just, you know, make you forget about that Niners game just because of how, how much of a beatdown it was. But on top of that, it, they could beat the Rams too. For me, the Eagles are the are, are the test. So you yeah. beat the Rams, that's fine. I'll feel the same way that I feel right now, which like it's a good solid win. Uh, but you got to beat the. It, this was the Eagles 49ers conversation coming into the season, and yeah, I, I think like you know their losses. Two things: one, their losses opens up some seeding things because all of a sudden you're just one game back. It takes one game slipping up here or there especially with the Eagles where you have two games head-to-head. But I think the 49ers, it it wasn't even the loss, but the the loss of the game because obviously they lost on a missed last-second field goal. I think it was a 41-yarder that is very manageable. All of a sudden, if they win, how much does that change your perception of the team? To me, it wasn't that. It was the fact that they lost Christian McCaffrey. And I I think, as we know, that it's probably not a super serious thing that's going to like end the season or anything. But it just goes to show you for me, I was like, that one injury could have such a huge impact on what they do. And that's true for most teams in the NFL. But, um, you know, if the 49ers won that game but lost Christian McCaffrey, I think I'd feel even like I feel like the Cowboys' chances would be even better against the 49ers, even if the 49ers won. So there's a lot. It's just a reminder how early in the season it still kind of is. And so, and it's not like a win that was. Um... Like you'll take the sloppy win, but it does continue to create these questions and like doubts of what this team is. 
anytime you're off a 42 to 10 loss like that, it's like, okay, well, you better play good next week. I wouldn't say the Cowboys played good. You know, the big difference in that game to me was that our quarterback made more throws than their quarterback did. And you can look at a ton of different things that happened in that game, some weird things, both teams failing on, you know, fourth and short situations and the other teams, you know, the little things like that do swing things. But overall, you know, Dak played better than Justin Herbert. It kind of comes down to that. Dak finding a way, and this could be partially how the Chargers play. I know Mike McCarthy had some comments about how the Chargers line up. That was a little telling, a little more than he really gives you, it seems like, uh, publicly in those press conference situations, about how they were going to attack Dak using his legs on purpose, but also hey, real quick, real quick, real in quick. the pocket. Let's stay, let's stay on that one real quick. Yeah. Uh, so yesterday we had the coordinators – and Brian Schottenheimer talked about that a lot too, because I know exactly what you're talking about the wide nine and how how wide they were at the very beginning of Schottenheimer's press conference with us. He talked about how on their all twenty two view from the end zone, sometimes you can't even see Khalil Mack in that camera view because he's out so wide. And yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because it made me think with how much they both talked about it. It, this is my takeaway. Maybe you guys feel differently. Maybe this was even their message, but it was almost like, yeah, so this is why this happened, guys. And this isn't going to happen all the time. So don't think we're going to be running Dak all the time. It just worked this game, but we're not going to, like, almost like, don't get too excited about this. This isn't going to yeah. be something that all of a sudden it keeps going, you know? I absolutely uh, thought that. It's the first thing I thought. And I, I'm going to be very careful not to make this a bash on McCarthy session, Okay. <laughs> I want to be really clear about that, okay? But he's made comments that make me know that he is feeling the pressure. He is uh, frustrated, I think, with what's happening with the offense and that it may not be coming together as quickly as he would have liked. Um, But little things like, oh, this is about the defense. And, you know, stuff like that makes me, you know, because Dak Dak is not going to run like that all the time. It makes a buttload of difference in what happens on your offense. And Dak took five sacks in that game. It would have been 10 if that was not Dak at quarterback and someone else. Because, oh, yeah, go, no, go ahead. So I was just like, he moved away from more and looked, his escapability was back for first time in a long time. And that was huge and instrumental to, not, to him not getting sacked 10 times rather than five. That he said, KT, one thing that stood out to me from this game as well, and and man, I, I kind of hate, I feel like I'm taking like a very negative Nancy situation uh, or stance here, but I'm just saying if if uh, if if Justin Herbert hits Keenan Allen on that double move that got Deron Bland tumbling off to the side and they score a touchdown there and they win by four points and you gave with eight seconds left in the first half – just to play it safe and and you lose by four there, I think this whole entire conversation this week would be so different because to me that was one of the more inexcusable, no matter how you chop it up. You can take McCarthy, what he said, of a a potential holding penalty. You are at the 14-yard line. A holding penalty backs you up to the 24. Brandon Aubrey's still hitting that. You can take an offensive penalty. There's no 10-second runoff because you still have a timeout in in, in your back pocket. Like there was for me, when you talk about the stuff that McCarthy is saying, and like to me, some of that stuff does raise some red flags because I'm like, 
and Jerry was asked about this, I believe, on the radio um, yesterday, where it's like, you know, does this say something about the confidence you have, or McCarthy or whatever has in Dak? And to me, how does it not? I mean, how can, how, I can't imagine. To me, this was, and, and you'll appreciate this, KT, a little bit. I, I, I forgot the exact situation, but remember that Packers game down at the goal line with Aaron Rodgers and they just like kicked that field goal inexplicably? Yeah. It's just like, that was, to me, that was, that was the story of the entire game. You have Aaron Rodgers and you're, you're LaFleur and that's what you're going to do. And to me, th- that's because they lost that game. The Cowboys won, but I'm telling you, if, if Justin Herbert hits Keenan Allen and the Chargers win by four points, those four points at the end of the half would have loomed very large, and Mike McCarthy's comments would not look very good. All you had to do is listen to Jerry's quote from that um, when he did his kind of radio roundabout interviews over on the fan. I think he said, or, or, or it might have been after the game. I'm not sure when he said that, but he said no, it was on the radio. Is, he didn't talk after the game. Yeah, he said it's not an impassioned answer. And then, because there's your disclaimer to let you know that it actually was a passionate answer. When he said it wasn't an impassioned answer, and I'm sorry that I'm paraphrasing, but he disagreed with that. And, you know, that's we, we all know that's not how Jerry rolls. The the safe way. And you zoom in, I mean, they got McCarthy saying, uh, why did you stop the clock to the ref? So he clearly didn't want to run another play. And I think this is all just an overreaction, a continued overreaction to Dak's interceptions from the last last season. I, I hey, still believe that. It's like that, that ref was like, no, you want to take the timeout now, Mike, so then you have eight seconds and you can run another play. It's he's amazing. Like, like, he's like, no, like, no, no. Playing Madden. This is like playing Madden. You don't have to be head coach. Mike, let me help you out here. I know I'm an official and you're not supposed to. I'm just going to give you a suggestion. If we stop it now, you have eight seconds. That means you can probably throw at least another pass and still have that two or three seconds that you want to get. No running down. Okay, is that running down three? I'm just um, if it wasn't that, though, I will say, because I'm not, and this is just me, but like I'm not big on like blaming losses on stuff that happened, like on decisions in the first half. You can with that. I'm just, me personally, I don't. So for me, if they lose that game, though, my blame would go to... Um, the lack of discipline and the penalties. And I say that because that's not a this year thing. That's not a last year thing. That's the last four years thing. I mean, that's, let's remember, if you just rewind back to the playoffs two years ago, them losing to the Niners, 14 penalties, you know, fans are throwing stuff at the refs and everything. It's like, now that we see this, as it keeps going, it's like, oh, it's this refing crew. Ah, we got so-and-so calling this. It's this refing crew. At, At what point is it, no, you guys just aren't disciplined enough. You need to work on these fundamentals. And it'd be one thing if it was 10 penalties because they're like, yeah, they called it real tight in the secondary and they're calling all these like grabs that normally they let go. It's like, you got guys lining up off sides, you know, like stuff that like it, it can't happen at this level. I'm sorry. No. So, I, you know, I pointed this out to you, John, in the press box, and I said this in my story too. I mean, you talk about a lack of discipline. It's not just the penalties. It's the fact that you have a running clock with 25 seconds left and you're snapping the ball instead of running it down. I mean, the Chargers got the ball back at the end with 219 left and the two-minute warning. They should they, they should not have touched the ball on that side of the two-minute warning. It should have been on the other side. You can't snap the ball on first and 10 after you complete that pass to Cooks and you're clearly trying to run the clock a little bit. That's why you're running Tony Pollard and setting up for a field goal. You can't snap the ball with 22 seconds left on the play clock. It just can't happen. No, just terrible. And, and that, you know, first of all, the refs are terrible. And referee Land Clark and his crew, a top five flag throwing 
team. I'm convinced he wants to show his muscles off on TV a lot. I mean, you get that crew, there's going to be a lot of flags. You kind of know that, you know, there's, uh, there was a lot of instances there kind of fighting through that, but that thing where the umpire was in the backfield, you know, the, I mean, they, they stopped the game from it. They still ran the clock for, and they could have ran it for 20 more seconds. Instead. And that's something Dak's got to know. I mean, I, I, I'm starting to put some of those things on Dak and he's 30 now clock stuff. I almost put on Dak. Now that one was a clear McCarthy decision right there at the end of the first half. We do this thing, and I know I mentioned this last week. You know, we even have pre-snap penalties, and McCarthy has talked ad nauseum about that. You know it's on his mind because he talks about it to the media. I'm sure he talks about it to the team. Pre-snap penalties are killing them on offense, and I guess we can call it a pre-snap penalty when you line up offsides on defense. Dan Quinn's going to take heat for that, I think. I, I, I think that's how it should go. I guess ultimately it goes down to the ledger of the head coach. But those are penalties that are happening on defense, too. And that's a huge issue, and I don't know how to make that stop. Because it's time. That game was a circus clown show, and each team looked equal. I mean, the Cowboys and the Chargers, and it's funny, the Cowboys have been compared to the Chargers a ton. Chargers are still a good team. Chargers can go beat the Chiefs this week. It wouldn't surprise anyone. But, you know, you, you go, yes, okay, you beat a good team. Cool, on the road, sort of. You know, great. When does that sloppy stuff stop? And in that reason, normally I like to have a bye week a little bit later and we're really dealing with a lot of injuries. And for that reason, I'm like, you know, thank God we have a bye week and we can take a real good look at what the hell this thing is before some important games are coming up. You know, one thing I'm going to say about the offense, I need to stop disclaiming everything. You know what that offense looked like to me? It reminded me of years and years and years of Aaron Rodgers extending plays and his greatness being a big part of the reason your team was able to pull out some explosive plays. It did not look like it was a lot of clean, you're getting open because this was some badass design. And I, there are some good play designs that he had in the mix of plays that he called. But overall, watching the rest of the league, dude, a lot of their explosive plays were Dak you know, extending the play. McCarthy mentioned after 2.3 seconds. Okay, he mentions that number a lot. You know, when the play's broken down a little bit. That was Dak creating some of that. The Tony Pollard play is one that jumps out at you. There are a couple others. Other than that, it's still pretty stagnant on offense. And I don't know what to do about that. And You know, and what, you know what McCarthy would say to you? He would say... Um, yeah, well, we might have had that stagnant offense in Green Bay, but uh, we went to the playoffs nine times out of ten years, and that's the yeah. toughest thing to do is from year after year make the playoffs. He says that that is he thinks that's a bigger deal than even when they won the Super Bowl because of that that longevity of success. And so he would bring that up and tie that to the fact that they are going on to a third consecutive season where they could look like they could be on track to win double-digit games, which obviously hasn't happened in Dallas since the early 90s. So I just want to put that out there because I know that's what he would say to you if he was on this podcast right now. I, and you know what? I would say, Coach, I agree. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I would say, I agree. And then I would say, I don't know if that's going to be good enough to win in January. That's my thing and with this team. Because I do maybe think I'm this wrong. team is... No, yeah, and, and maybe I am too, but that is my thing I keep going back to um, is that... I just I wonder if from every level the defense Dak McCarthy 
do they have it where they can put together that three consecutive games against good teams in January, probably at least one of those games, if not all of them on the road, can they put that together? And I have my doubts about that as well. And that's ultimately what this team will be judging on because that's what yeah. they're built to do. The talent, the coaching staff, all of that. It's built to make a deep playoff run. And that's where, because I do believe that they could beat the Niners. Um, I really do. They'd have to play their best game, but I can see them getting past the Niners in the playoffs. But then it's like, are they going to be able to do that back-to-back weeks? And then let's say the following week, they got to play the you know Eagles or who knows, the Lions, whatever. Like, are they going to be able to do that three consecutive games? And I do have my doubts about that. You know, Chargers fans going into the week would tell you that they were happy with Kellen Moore calling plays. They were happy with some of the run concepts and things like that. Once they had Eckler back, they knew they weren't going to do much with Josh Kelly. They would tell you they were pretty, pretty only liking what they saw. And then I think a couple things happened. Hey, the run defense played really well. Okay, so credit where credit's due. I thought Osa was great. I thought Tank was great. I thought... I thought Micah was fine, honestly. I mean, there were a couple times where he did the Micah thing where he gives up the edge, but, dude, they did not run the ball on them and at all. It was a terrible line for Austin Eckler. We didn't run the ball either. And I think we've got probably a point of attack problem on offense right now that we need to get figured out because I think the offense would be helped a ton by having some semblance of a Tony Pollard running threat because – that opens up things when you're having to use Dak to open up things because the actual running game can't get going. You know, what do you think about has, getting out, outside of the typical runs? Like, do you think, because I feel like there's a little bit of using Tony Pollard, a little bit like they use Zeke. Do you think the variety yeah. of runs needs to change, you know, instead of it being, it seems pretty basic. You know what I'm saying? I thought that Mike McCarthy, when he called plays in Green Bay, kind of used the run as a more of a, let's just get downhill and get as much as we can get to get us into more formidable short distance uh, scenarios and it keeps the clock running fives your third and threes and that's exactly what he wants we know what he wants to do on offense i don't fully disagree with it there are elements of it that i disagree with because it requires you to play perfectly and i don't think this team plays disciplined enough to play that perfect brand of football to where, especially in this league where refs can call a holding whenever they feel like it. You know, it can just set a drive back really quickly. I mean, the best way to avoid third downs, and and, and they Cowboys are really good on third down, by the way, too. They've been pretty good in the, at that. I think they're one of the top teams in the league on third down. But the best way to do it is to never get to third down. So, you know, if you never see a third down because you're converting on first and second down, well, now we're ahead of things right here. And that's what I want. And I I don't know, man. Am I being too picky for wanting that? I, I'm not asking them to be Mike McDaniel's Dolphins, who are just fast and have incredible concepts every single week. You find three plays and you're like, geez, that was good right there. New and fresh. I'm not even asking for that. I, I, I kind of disagree partially. <laughs> It's hard. It, McCarthy has made this too, where there's such a gray area. It makes it so hard for me to fully disagree with their plan. Their plan to keep the defense off the field and fresh to run type of possession. My problem is I think you're protect, protecting Dak too much. And I also don't think there's creativeness, enough creativity so far in some of the concepts and then what he would call passing game families to get guys open on their own. Uh, and honestly, I swear, I, 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 I think they need help with that. I don't think you're asking for too much at all because of the fact of what this team is. 
It's this veteran coaching yeah. staff. This is the reason that they brought this group in. It's You have the longest tenured quarterback. You have weapons at wide receiver. You have a seasoned veteran offensive line. You got completely out of nowhere one of the most consistent kickers in the game right now. Uh, your defense is loaded at all three levels. If you're not expecting that stuff, what, what are we? What are we even watching then? This isn't yeah. the twenty. This isn't the 2015 Cowboys. We're like, yeah, it's going to be tough. They have all these injuries. Romo's out. Looks like they're going to have to start Matt Castle. And if Castle doesn't work, they're going to go to Kellen Moore at quarterback. Like, no, this is a team that. And then, they, and then they've been to the playoffs the last two years and come up short against teams that. Let's be honest, they're not really that much better than what the Cowboys are. It's not like they're chasing this juggernaut. We're like. Yeah, man, I don't know if they're ever going to reach that level. Like the NFC is there for the taking. Sunday showed yeah. you that again. Like, so mm -hmm. I don't think you're asking for too much. And that's why I don't feel terrible about being critical. Because I think if you asked a Cowboy fan to a T, just walking on the street or whatever, they, what that game, what do you think? Like, they play good or not? Like, yes or no? <laughs> Most people would say, no, they didn't play good. Because they didn't, you know, as a whole. And that's what's frustrating. Because I, I, I have an easier time going, dude, we just didn't have it against the Cardinals. I don't know what happened. They they smoked us. The 49ers smoked us. Okay. Well, you know, I, I almost have an easier time dealing with that than the, God, if we could just fix a few things here and a few things here and a few things here. The problem is we've had consistent things with the offense through six weeks to make you go, I'm not sure that this holds up. The other thing is it's six weeks. They get a bye week to look at things, to self-scout, to maybe tidy up some things. I mean, CeeDee Lamb, great on Monday night. Fantastic. How much of that was matchup-based? I don't know. Uh, getting Brandon Cooks involved, finally. Great. Michael Gallup catches the ball a couple times. We're going to go, Michael Gallup had a great night. You know? So there's a few things there that make you go. And I thought Dak played great. I thought I thought Dak was awesome. He missed a throw in the very first drive or, or right there in the first quarter that bummed me a little bit. But I thought Dak was awesome, and I think that truly, when it comes down to it, the difference in the game was that because penalty both teams had penalties. You know, Eddie Lamb was really good too. I mean, I, yeah. I know the production set like it makes that very obvious, but I'm talking about from getting open, um, all that stuff that we've talked about. Because a lot of times we've come out here. I remember after the Cardinals game, we've talked about the red zone struggles and we've been like, well, who's even open? C.D. Lamb was open for business a lot. And credit to Dak for finding him. Um, I, I thought he had a really good game overall. I thought um, I thought, I, I thought, Brandon Cooks had a pretty good game. I, I wouldn't call it his breakout game because, you know, he didn't even really have 50 yards receiving. But at the same time, like he, he came up big on, on two really big moments, that touchdown – which, by the way, Tony Pollard threw a great block on as well, and then yeah. uh, and then that third and nine. I, I thought those were two really big plays that Brandon Cooks came up big on. So, I, you know, I, I thought they both did really well. Now and that's the thing too. Like we knew, we kind of know what CD Lamb is in that frame. Brandon Cooks, we've been waiting on him. It's almost like Brandon Cooks had been waiting to, to like, okay, yeah, guys, give me the ball. <laughs> you know, so it's like that type of thing is. There, you had a fewer targets to the tight end. Uh, it was kind of weird that Ferguson only got one target there. He'd kind of been, but he was one of the top red zone uh, target getters in football. And maybe that's enough on the offense. They didn't run the ball, and they've got to run the ball better. They have to do that. Um, and I don't know if that's more uh, creativity. I don't know if some of the offensive lines a little banged up. I know he had a little sickness going through the room and things like that. But 
you know that that was a gettable uh, run defense right there. You couldn't move the ball on them. Uh, that that's a little concerning. And uh, you know, just line up and try it again with the Rams. Going over the defense, defensive line was fantastic. Only one sack, got the second key a uh, key moment there at the end. But Justin Herbert was uncomfortable all night long. And part of it might be he's playing with a broken finger on his non-throwing hand. But there were multiple times where you saw him kind of double pump and just not be sure of it and just look like he had happy feet and just was a little overwhelmed in the pocket. As a that, fan, I was I was pretty disappointed with him. I, I'm a big Justin Herbert too. fan, and, and he's one of those guys where – um, I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing him and saying he's Aaron Rodgers, but there is a little bit of Aaron Rodgers where there's certain throws that he makes, just like I will always say, like Aaron Rodgers is definitely not the greatest quarterback ever, but it, when Aaron Rodgers has played at his best, nobody's played the quarterback position at a higher level. There's throws that like a Justin Herbert makes that I'm just like, man, that's just, I don't know how you do that. But then he misses Keenan Allen on a couple of throws where you're just like, I can't believe that you missed that throw. So uh, I was pretty disappointed with with how he played in that game, considering it wasn't like Micah and the and the front was just completely wrecking everything all game long. Like he had time to make some throws and just he just didn't. So uh, it's one of those deals where, man, if he had a different uniform on and he was the Cowboys quarterback, I mean, this whole week he would just be getting roasted nationally. And he might be, but there's a little bit of cover you get. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff came out about what Micah said about you know, I want the Eagles to get the same smoke that we do when we lose whatever. Yeah, but you also guys get a lot of like a lot of like a lot of people talk a lot of positive stuff about you and a lot of people know who you are because you're on the Cowboys. Whereas like Justin Herbert, like not being on the Cowboys, that definitely protects him a little bit, you know. But then again, Micah Parsons isn't on the Cowboys. He might not have his own podcast, you know. He might yeah. he might be a guy that everyone's like, Yeah, you know, he's Aiden Hutchinson or TJ Watt or Aaron Donald, but on the Cowboys, you know, everybody talks about you all the time. So if you like that spotlight, it's a great spot to be in. If, if you can't handle that, then yeah, it's the worst team to be, to be in with no question, because a performance like that, man, Herbert would be getting destroyed this week. And he probably is it just on a much lesser level. Sure. Yeah. That was, that was something that really stood out there, man. it was like, and I don't know, we, we all watch enough of the league and see enough of Herbert know what he can do it's funny he's almost like constantly i'm not getting into the semantics of stupid rating uh, rankings and debates but like he's kind of always ranked higher than dak from a natural talent perspective yeah maybe so and granted that was really dak's first good game in a while i'll ask you right now you're kt gm of an nfl team yeah you you get yeah i'm just saying like if you got a bill between the two of them i i don't see like I'm not saying fans, but I'm saying if you polled NFL GMs, I think it's Herbert, and it's probably not even close. Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. It, it's just interesting because that that game and uh, dude, Dak doesn't get away from some of those sacks or isn't able to. We're have, we're having more long term discussions of why can't he move anymore, which we're already kind of kicking around in our heads, you know. Um, obviously the fourth and one play, which could have been a disaster if he fumbled. Uh, you can come in and bash McCarthy. We should give McCarthy credit for that, right? Now it's a read, right? Now it's still Dak making that decision there, but that option go for it right there. Now they didn't get. I, I'm staying away from tush push, guys. I don't like it. I'm calling it the ham ram. Okay, didn't get the ham ram. 
I, they, I now do. I still think that we should just ban this play. If the Eagles are the only team that can get it right, then <laughs> that's not good. So we need to ban the play. You would think that the Cowboys would be able to execute it, though. That seemed like they have, like, Dak would seem like the strong type of, I mean, yeah, he's not what he was at Mississippi State, but he's still mobile and big dude. Like, I don't know. What were you going to say, Son? It's like whenever, you know, people say that cliche, it's a copycat league. Well, yeah, you can copy the concept, but you got to have the players to do it. I mean, yeah, try to copy whatever the Kansas City Chiefs are doing on offense. Like, good luck. You know, it's just, yeah, I know that's just one play, but that's just, that's just how it always goes. I remember always hearing that about, you know, especially with Dan Quinn's defense in Seattle. Oh, this is, you're, you're going to get big corners and physical. Okay, cool. Let me know when you have Richard Sherman and, and Brandon Browner and Byron Maxwell and all those guys. Like, it's just, you know, you can try to copy it, but you still got to execute. You got to have the players to do it. It's just funny, though, because when you say about, like, the the Chiefs, I think of also, obviously, the Miami Dolphins. And there's all these different concepts, and it's all, like, you know, spreading people out and things like that. But the tush-push play is, like, something where you're like, yeah, this isn't innovative at all. Did Vince Lombardi put this thing in? Like, why can't why can't you stop it? You know, there but hey, maybe that's what it is. Break. The league is changing. You know, the league is. You know, they're uh, yeah, they're bigger, faster, stronger. But you know, you're also getting different ty- types of players. I mean, um, I mean, uh, we'll use that game as an example. Like, if you go back, I don't know, 10, 15, maybe you gotta go back twenty years, but like. I don't think in, in those times that Marquise Bell would have had a lot of success as a linebacker, but because yeah. of the way the game has kind of changed, he can, I don't think you want him playing linebacker on every snap, but you can be that hybrid safety linebacker in today's game. And so maybe with the guys getting a little bit smaller, I don't know. It's still though, I mean, you got your big guys up front. It's your big guys versus their big guys. It just seems like I get why it has success. I just, it's weird how it has so much success for them and not as much for everyone else who's obviously trying it. Here's a short yardage idea for you. Yeah, go ahead. Give the ball to Micah Parsons. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if they trust his ball security. That would be your one oh. issue there, uh, because you know there's been a lot of conversations, you know, off the record about that with people uh, on on the team, and uh, I, I I think that there might be. A little bit of concern there and if you go back to watching some of the times he's gotten his hands on the ball and went to return it i mean it is a little bit out there but yeah maybe he just covers it up with both both hands and just runs like uh old fullback style but i think that that was one part of it and but that's a smaller part of it the bigger one is is that um uh mike mccarthy um would be very sick to his stomach if Micah got hurt doing that. Uh, I think that's yeah. that would be your number one reason from what I've heard. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The other thing when it comes to, um, first of all, you mentioned Marky Spell. I mean, I don't want to get off that. I want to remember that. Marky Spell. That, okay, first of all, he's going to have to play like Leighton Van Der Esch Hurt. He's good stuff. They brought in a ton of dudes, right? Who could maybe come in and potentially get you know time. It does kind of 
show you that that overshone Demarvin overshone in, uh, injury in the preseason is a real bummer because he would have yeah. you know got all the play. But I couldn't help but go man a game like uh, a guy like Austin Eckler kind of a good matchup for Marquise Bell though. You know, a, a guy who you know you can use out, of, you know, as a receiver and things like that. I, I, like, how much is Marquise Bell sustainable week in and week out on this team, or is that kind of matchup based, or is that a tough question because we don't really know and they don't have a ton of linebackers right now. I think it's a little bit more uh, that he can do this regularly. I think matchup, like a lot of it, is matchup based, but I, I think a lot of it is also just the system as well and. I think Dan Quinn's system does allow for players like that, and and you know, you know, as you were saying, like maybe a, a while back, a guy like Marquise Bell couldn't play linebacker and stuff. And I think now, and we, we were talking about this today with one of the position coaches, um, with, with the linebacker coach, I think, or maybe it was a secondary coach, I, I forget. But we were talking with one of them, with one of them, and they were kind of talking about how Marquise Bell isn't doing a whole lot of different things as a linebacker than he was as a safety because in their dino package he was a line he was in that linebacker type role anyways and like you know they were kind of giving the example of like um it, it, they were kind of giving that example of that J. Ron curse steps down and plays linebacker organically right now in the system um in certain formations so i think it's more of a system-based thing that does set up marquise bell for success but i will say why it was against, yeah, it was against San Francisco. When Marquise Bell came in, they went right at Kittle for the touchdown on that first drive. And so, you know, there are some things that there's going to be matchup issues, but I think a lot of it is is good for, you know, the, the system that Dan Quinn plays. And then also when you look at the schedule that's coming up, um, you're getting into some of the better quarterbacks on your schedule. And so I think it helps to have a linebacker that's more versatile, towards the safety end of it because, you know, Stafford, Jalen Hurts, Tua, Goff, Josh Allen. I mean, they got some guys that can throw the ball around a little bit. So, um, and let's be honest, they've, they've had some issues on the back end, leaving some guys open. As we talked about with the Keenan Allen thing, you know, he had a good game, but he could have been a monstrous game uh, sure. if, if Herbert's a little bit more accurate. So maybe that lends to it, but uh, it's funny because these two positions mirror each other in running back and in linebacker, whether you talk about pay, you know, the running back pay is going down, linebackers, if they play any edge, it's like, no, 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 I want to be paid like an edge rusher. Like those two positions on the other side of the ball, like it is interesting how they mirror each other. And then you look at them on the Cowboys, it's two areas where they certainly could use some help, especially with Van Der Esch out um, at running back. If, if they don't think that, if they think Tony Pollard's better, like, let's say they evaluate things during the buy or maybe a little bit as the season goes along. It's like, Hey, it's better if we use power like we had been using in the past. Maybe that's when you go and make a move for a Leonard Fournette. And then same thing with linebacker. If you find out that, Hey, it looks like Leighton might be out for the season. Maybe you have to go out there and make a move for a linebacker or something, as opposed to just being like, Hey, this is what we got. Hope something happens with Rashawn Evans. This is where you got to be somewhat aggressive. And I think that if they were to be aggressive, those are two positions uh, to keep an eye on with, the trade deadline here coming up uh, on uh, October 31st. So, yeah. You know, as uh, when you uh, look at the game and how it all went, first of all, another kicker, two for two. You got a perfect kicker, okay, which place your bets on a perfect season from your kicker if you want to no, go. No, you, you called going. it back in camp, Katie. I remember you saying, you're like, just go with the Aubrey kid. He's going to be great. Nailed it. 
nailed it from the <laughs> beginning. You know, really much like, you know, way different than the Garibay. I've learned a lot from the Garibay situation. Um, but isn't that a the, great example, though, like of kicker? Just keep swinging and maybe you'll find one. Sure. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe don't spend a draft pick on a kicker. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's, how, been, how, it's a hell of a story. They, how, with how they've handled the kicking situation now going on this third year of it being someone different, like where does it really cost them? It hasn't. That we got all worked up about a bunch of missed extra points and a blowout of the, of the Buccaneers. Is that it? Or well, where we Trent Williams and Debo Samuel came out early and, and were kind of messing with Brett Maher before the game. And then Jerry came over and gave him a pep talk. I mean, these are great stories, but I mean, did they in any way interfere the way the team played. I mean, let's be honest. We just finished watching the sixth game of the season. And in the sixth game, he finally kicked a clutch kick. He didn't have to do that up until that point. I'm just saying, like, I used to be a person that thought, well, you have a hole at kicker, address it in like the second, third, fourth round, whatever. If we don't, why don't you just try and try out a bunch of guys and just see where it goes there, you know? Yeah. Too, though, because, uh, you know, as someone who grew up a uh, You grew tell, up a kicker? I, yeah, as as you might as you could probably imagine, I grew up with great value on the kicker because like an entire dynasty was built on the right foot of Adam Vinatieri, pretty much. And so um, I, he was I undrafted, think right? Right, for sure. And I, I for me, I, I think it's like, but but when we talk about like when you feel it the most, I feel like the deeper you get in the playoffs is probably when you feel it the most. And so that's not a problem the Cowboys have had in, in uh, recent decades, I would say. So uh, so I don't think we have, but. You know, most Super Bowls are not blowouts. They're, you know, within one possession. That's when all these points matter. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy how they did find, you know, Brandon Aubrey. And, but, you know, I also give the Cowboys credit because, yeah, you're right about swinging for the kicker and, like, really, but they really had, they were really confident about him. Like, think, think back to one, how they found him and, and how, you know, they went there and felt good about him. But then also for me, think back to the second week of camp. Both him and I'm blanking on on the other other kicker's name. Uh, do you remember? Liram Le- Le- Hilarahu. Hilarahu, yeah. Both of them had a really rough weekend. They had a rough Friday, Saturday, and then come Monday, the other guy was gone, and they put everything on Aubrey before the preseason even began. So, I, like, I will give the Cowboys some credit for identifying that you know this is going to be their guy because he didn't really show a whole lot in training camp aside from a lot of misses and inconsistency and then he's figured it out ever since oh you know yeah. what tristan viscano hilarahu was the previous year with maher sorry okay. they do this every training camp but get him confused sorry yeah the other uh, help me out big- kent this is your area of expertise well, let's, let's let's really move on to Kent's other area of expertise because um, the big Cowboys news of the week, and we'll be back <laughs> next week to preview the Rams. <laughs> Guys, we know who the Thanksgiving halftime show is going to be. We uh, mm. always get a kick out of this every year. And this year, the Cowboys go a little off the beaten path. Usually you're expecting it to be a country guy or a female pop star. That's what it usually is. Okay, and I thought maybe with the Rangers using Creed, the Cowboys, this might be the year that they relive their great Creed performance with the guy flying on the bed sheet, okay, in the middle of Texas Stadium. I thought that was their chance to, to get that going again, but instead, Charlotte Jones and company have gone with 
Dolly Parton. Immediate thoughts, John. My immediate thoughts are that I want to hear what Kent has to say. Oh, yeah. Kent. You'll never believe this, but this is who Big. I was going to guess. No, you're right. I don't. I will never believe. You'll that. never believe this. We started to do the segment a couple weeks ago. I think we started it and then we trailed off on something else and never came back around. But that's who I was going to guess because frantically looking for my notes to see if we did. Yeah, for I think we started saying a D, but you went right into da baby and not <laughs> That's you. Yeah. That's what happened. That's you. Uh, oh, yeah, the right. reason being, she has a new record coming out. I think around Thanksgiving. And, is this the one where she does covers? Yeah, and she okay. announced the record at the star. Like she had the press conference for it at the star. Yeah. So I saw that connection back uh, six or eight months ago when she hosted the uh, the the was country music awards with Garth Brooks. Yes, that. Yep, exactly. So, you were gonna yeah. say Dolly, but instead you said Doja Cat. <laughs> I wish Drake. Can you imagine Drake? Uh, no. I can't. I, I can't awesome. imagine drink. <laughs> no, I can't imagine Creed again. <laughs> I, just I, I can't it. imagine them having the, you know, the humor to say let's run it back with Creed. I, I, I can't see them doing that. I don't understand why they. Well, okay, you're you're someone that was in a band for a while uh, that had quite a bit of popularity. Wouldn't you want, like, even if it is something like you know what the Rangers using them or if the Cowboys, like, it's obviously gonna have people buying your album again that you probably thought, hey, our star really isn't shining anymore and we're mm-hmm. probably done here. Like, wouldn't you want that uptick? Or no, I can't, too much I can't see the Cowboys that? having oh, the, self, okay. the humor to say yeah. we're bringing Creed back. I Creed, see Creed being like, in. heck yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever okay. you got. <laughs> Creed they're back together because they became a meme, you know? Yeah. So they're, they're going to take this all the way to the bank. Uh, <laughs> I thought you meant year. they would turn it down. No, no, no. Creed streams are up 175% because of Jared Sandler finding out from Andrew Heaney <laughs> that they listened to Creed. Now Kirk Cousins is running with it, and they're about to be cult heroes in so Minnesota. As the Vikings that turn is a great if the Vikings theme beat, song. If the Vikings beat the 49ers on Monday night, look out, because the Creed bubble is going to be real, and it'll time up with the NBA season kicking off, and some mm. NBA team, probably Jimmy Butler... Are going to start blasting Creed. There's a lot to pay attention to with Creed in the next couple of weeks. Well, if we the need Vikings to, what needs win. to happen for real? The NFL needs to get involved and say Super Bowl halftime Creed. That's what we need. We need the big production, all the hits, fire, twenty five guys on sheets flying through the stadium. I think the Super Bowl is a little much there. I don't. I don't think they can pull. You that don't off. think Creed would go good with Usher? I mean, yeah. They've had a lot of classic rock acts. Creed's considered classic rock now. Did early 2000s, that's what we're going for here, Creed and Usher. What if they went with Creed and Nickelback? That would be terrible, and they know it would be terrible. Would you not watch? Creed has enough hits to do it on their own. They don't need 100% you would watch. 100%. Sad, who would you want it to be? I say, bring out Creed Bratton. What musical skills does he have? (laughs) We all know. He was in the the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I don't have super strong feelings on, 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 uh, but I do like the concept 
of having something that's a little bit more throwback and bring them back out. Like, like I was never big on like the whole like Taylor Swift thing or, you know, anything like that where someone's at the height of their popularity, like especially Taylor Swift, who's clearly being, you know, uh, what we're getting plenty of her as NFL fans now, but like popular person we've ever seen. Yes. You know, even what they're doing with like Usher, right. For the Super Bowl halftime show. I like that. It's going to take me back to some of my like, you know, high school days and stuff like that. So I, I'm all, I'm all aboard with that. Let me just say this about Dolly. uh, Cause Dolly's got this album. Days were Creed. So that's what we need. Sorry. Go ahead. KG. And that's Kent, who is in Forever the Sickest Kent. Um, but, but, but with Dolly, real quick, I should, this album has 30 songs on it. It's a double album. Mm. It's got collaborations out the wazoo. And I just think, don't force any of your new songs on us, Dolly. Let's be real here. Mm. Nine to five. Hit us with some <laughs> stay, Jolene. Stay with the classics. <laughs> and then give us one of these hot covers. Because the, li- the track list is not bad. There are some corny ones on there. Some things you get. Hey, there's a couple songs on there. You're like, okay. All right, I like and what he, you've done here. There's some good and, covers like Heart of Glass by Blondie. Throw that in there, Dolly. Hit us with the hits on Cowboys he, Thanksgiving Day. We don't need to promote a new song. Dolly's she got cover, a lot of hits, yeah. Does she cover any Drake songs on that album? No, I don't think so. Well, we need we okay. need Islands in the Stream, the one she did with yeah. Kenny Rogers that became Ghetto Superstar. We need that She's one. She's not going to do that. We need uh, but, Jolene. Hold on, hold on. She wouldn't do that. That song would be performed by Steve Carell and John Krasinski because they do at the end of that episode where they go over to uh, Jim's apartment and yes. Michael wasn't invited, yeah. but he shows up anyway and they karaoke that song at the end. And so if you want to really get everybody excited, that's what you would do in that situation. They come out with her and do that song together. John's like taking a ball and just like waving it in front of Saad with his office references today. Yes. That's Guess exactly the set list, KT. It's going to be <laughs> 9 to 5, Jolene, and two covers from the new album. I think she'll play her uh, her new, her new her first lead single off the album, Rockstar. And it's like, uh, what's it called? It's uh, something on fire, world on fire or something. I think she'll do that. And then maybe she does Freebird. I don't know. <laughs> She's she in did the a version of, uh, of We Are the Champions. That's so good. Yeah, We Are the Champions, yeah. Okay. Um, there's a few others on there. I mean, it's a it, the, the the track list is wild. There's a bunch of songs on there you would recognize. Every breath you take by the Police, Let It Be, uh, the Beatles. So there's 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 quite a bit on there. That you know, oh, she had Purple Rain too on this new album that comes out in November. Anything Night Cowboys moves, related? Night Moves by Bob Seger featuring Chris Stapleton. Maybe Chris Stapleton comes out with her. You know, she does Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. She had a lot of options. You know a Rolling Stone song? Uh, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Stairway to Heaven featuring Lizzo. These aren't Cowboy songs. I'm, I'm looking for Thunderstruck. Is that on there at all? I don't no. see Thunderstruck. Uh, There's no Welcome to the Jungle. My playlist <laughs> hasn't really changed, I, has it? I just can't take any of this seriously. I'm sorry. It is hard to take seriously. It really is. But... You know. Not that the, not that there would have been an act that I would have been like really that pumped about. To be honest with you, out of everything we've talked about, the most surprising thing is that I never did get Taylor Swift like when she was on the come up, you know? Because it seems like if you look at the list, which I decided to tweet it all out the other day of every every one of their halftime performers, like they have had some some pretty big acts that, you know, Selena Gomez and, 
you know, Carrie Underwood and stuff like that. I'm surprised they never did get Taylor Swift. Obviously now she's too big for that, but, uh, you know, maybe five, ten years ago. Yeah, Taylor's become the biggest thing we've ever seen in the world. It's kind of crazy. It's it's up there with Beyonce in her prime. Oh, and, Beyonce's and not in like her Britney prime, Spears. but I, yeah. Taylor yeah. might be passing that. And that's I would say it's them terrible. two, and then third is probably that lady uh, Chargers fan. Yeah, Marianne do. Yeah. The crazy lady that got kicked off the plane. She's pretty up there. <laughs> crazy plane lady, yeah. What, what are you talking about the one that says are you talking about the one that says that MFR is not real? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like Minnie Mouse. I think she not real. She might be local. She is local. She has a one point five million dollar house. Alice? Nice. I knew KT would know this. KT, did you have her on? Uh, you tracked her down and had her on the radio, I'm sure, right? No, but I know people who know her. And, she's the yeah. kind of lady that's like, yeah, I'll do it for $10,000, right? She's trying to bank off this for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think she's waited too long. I, I do think she's a little conflicted because I think she already has money. So I don't know that she needs to Oh, man, to if I was her, her, I'd be doing Super Bowl commercials, doing that bid, uh, all kinds of stuff. Why too was late, she sitting man. way on the back of that plane then? Stars burned out on her already, you know? She said late. that MF her back there's not real. She pointed all the way to the back. What was she doing back there? I think she needs to be on the no-fly list if she's not going to tell us what she saw. Right. You know? Yeah. Apparently it was a guy with tattoos. It was probably just I'm a guy. I'm like, pretty sure she was watching highlights of Victor Webanyama. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. Hey, now that's something special. Well, I can't Speaking wait. of not real, uh, Keenan Allen is... Can we put him in the cowboy killer column? Like Why every game... This guy kills the Cowboys. He just shreds us. He had a, I mean, he was the only guy making plays the other night, felt like. Yeah. 108 I'm yards to think the, the last game before game. that. 172 yards in 2017. And uh, when yeah. he was in San Diego, had uh, another 80-yard game. 445 just, yards in four games against the Cowboys. Just a good player. Has been for a long time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. He's not a guaranteed 100-yard-a-game guy, but when he plays the Cowboys, yeah. he is. Yeah that category for me and and john will appreciate this is is calvin johnson i mean i know the 329 game but other than that too i mean and i know calvin did that to a lot of teams but the man i didn't look this up because i was wondering the same thing sod if not for the 329 game he had a 96 yard game in 2011 50 yards in 2010 and 51 in 20 2007 there had to be just one one of those games had multiple touchdowns though yeah, it was then 2011. Yeah. He had two touchdowns, Three. 96 yards. Yeah. He caught that like in triple coverage in the middle of the end zone. Yeah, that's the game yeah. where before it, that Friday before, Rob Ryan decided to say out loud in front of Mike's that we got guys like Miles Austin, Des Bryant here. We know exactly what we're getting. I've ourselves never into. seen a <laughs> player take over a game like that. He found out that they did not practice against guys like that. That was like high school against middle school type stuff. (laughs) Like that was crazy. Yeah. 14 receptions, 329 yards. (laughs) About that game, by the way, was the fact that he had one touchdown because I swear he got pushed out on like the inside the five, like two other times. Yeah. Including the last drive. It was crazy. I just remember Jeff Heath like running for his life, like jumping on his back basically to try to take him down. He's just. It was crazy. Yeah. His his candle burned out long before his legend ever did. Much like the Monty lady Kiffin on defense. the plane. 
All right, guys. Uh, we will be back next week. Get you ready for the Rams. That should be a good time, as always. Enjoy your bye week. Catch up on some NFL. Get a good look at, let's see, Eagles-Dolphins on Sunday night. That'll be great. Enjoy that. You get the Vikings and 49ers on Monday night. So you, you get a couple uh, good chances to watch them, and I know everyone's going to stop down for the must-see TV with Packers and Broncos at 325 on Sunday. KT, we got to go, but as quick as possible. If you knew the Cowboys' next head coach was Mike McDaniel, would you be on board or out? I would give up two first-round picks for Mike McDaniel right now. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I'm serious. Uh, Lifelong Dolphins fan Mike Soroy offered that question to me on my morning show on The Freak this I morning. Would. And I said, I, I, yes, I absolutely would. And, and it's for several reasons, but one of the top ones would be just because it's so different than what the Cowboys have had. So, yeah. yeah. It would suck not having two first-round picks. I'm not dumb, but... You got to do and it. it. Would, and it would be great for the media. So I'm also biased oh, there. Beautiful. Beautiful. He just beautiful man. Uh, all right. For Saad Yusuf, keep on those Dallas Stars. All right. Star season getting going. Stars is. Uh, Saad's got you covered there as well. For Father John Mashoda. If anything emergency happens throughout the bye week, we got you here on About Them Cowboys. For our producer, Kent Garrison, I am Kevin KT Turner. We'll see you next week and get you ready for the Rams on About Them Cowboys. Bye. Go Rangers. <laughs>